we have received some great questions concerning the great falling away. Is the church and the Holy Spirit removed from the earth before the Antichrist can be revealed? The origin of the Antichrist. Revelation prophecies of a pre-tribulation rapture and much more. I will answer these questions on this edition of End of the Age. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of End of the Age. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you for joining me today. Now, I've got so many great questions through our social networking sites and through email and just people calling into the ministry, and I want to make sure that we answer these questions for all of you to hear. And so I'm going to get right into it, and I'm going to answer as many as I can before the end of the program, because... This is the way we all learn. I mean, I've been in a class before and a class setting and you can hear the teacher just sit there and drone on and you think, wow, man, this is. But when people start asking questions, that's really when the learning experience happens for a lot of people. And because sometimes people will ask things you didn't even really know to ask. And then everybody's learning from that. And I know when we do prophecy conferences around the United States that many times the Q&A session is, that's where everybody's participating and it's some of the most um, well-liked portion of that conference. And so uh, I wanted to do as much of that as I can today. So I'm going to go straight off into it and we'll get as many as we can before the end of the program. So the first question is, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, the Bible says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, or the rapture and the second coming, that day shall not come, except there comes a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So it's saying that the, there's going to come a falling away first, prior to the Antichrist being revealed. So, some contend that the great falling away is ahead of us now. That's a future event. The question is, is that true? Well, if you think about it, the great falling away, and I'm going to prove this as we go along, but the great falling away was about 980, starting 90 A.D. to about 0180 A.D. and then, But it progresses. And so the falling away, the great... The, in the Greek word apostasia there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, or a, this is very key, a defection from the truth. Very important. Not necessarily somebody being deceived in the future, because somebody could be um, deceived and led down a wrong path having never known the absolute truth. Okay? They've just been, they've been deceived to the point where they are led away 
but not necessarily having known the full truth. This is very important. So a defection from the truth. The Apostle Paul prophesied a move away from biblical doctrine. Back in his day, he said, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you. He's talking to the church. And he says, Not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. That's um, Acts chapter 20, verse 29 through 30. So in the post-apostolic age, uh, 90 A.D. to about 140 A.D., and in the age of the Greek uh, apologists, from 130 to about 180 A.D., a number of groups arose that separated from the mainstream church, and this continued throughout the dark, the dark ages. The Apostle Paul, remember, because of the lack of Bibles and the lack of preachers of the, of the true Word of God, like the Apostles, we went off into what's considered the Dark Ages. Bibles were handwritten at that point. Imagine how expensive it would have been to have had a handwritten Bible back then. Very few people had access to the Word of God. So we moved off into what's considered the Dark Ages at that point. Now, with some history uh, about this, and some of this content will come from a friend of ours, David K. Bernard, It is evident that when we study the early church history, that there was a great falling away, a a great infusion of false doctrine at that point. And indeed, we find warnings and indications of this falling away in the New Testament itself. It contains admonitions to the early church not to embrace false doctrines as well as warnings concerning false prophets, false teachers, and false doctrines that were already creeping in among the New Testament churches. In Matthew 7, 15, the Bible says, Beware of those false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Uh, Acts 20, verse 29 through 30, For I know this, again, that the Apostle Paul, After my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them, away from the original truth, uh, apostasia, a falling away, a defection from that truth. Romans 16, 17 through 18. Now we beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they... That are such they are they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. First Corinthians eleven nineteen. For there must also um, be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. Ephesians four fourteen. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, every little new uh, ideology that comes along by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4 For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, 
But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears, here it is, from the truth. This is going to be the falling away, a defection from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. So we're talking about the falling away, which happened just after the apostles went off the scene and we went off into the dark ages. In the future, will some people move away? Yes, they will. But the great falling away that's talked about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that is a past event. Now we're coming out of that, and we'll get into some more of that here in just a moment when we talk about the age Major of Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills. But God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV. And now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time Message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Welcome back, everybody. And just before we, I finish this, because the great falling away, it's a big topic. Just before I finish the answer to that, I got a couple quick announcements. This weekend, I will be in Westlaco, Texas, all the way down on the border. I'm going to be teaching prophecy. The, um, we'll be at the Family Life Ministries of Westlaco, 2403 West Mile, 10 North. And that's um, Westlaco, Texas, 78599. Saturday evening, that's November 13th at 6 p.m., I'll be teaching the big timeline, the future according to Bible prophecy. And then Sunday, November 14th at 10 a.m., I'll be teaching the breaking prophetic fulfillments. I've got new updates to give you. And so looking forward to seeing everybody down in Westlaco, Texas. Been down there many times. Have a lot of great friends down there. And uh, should be a great weekend this weekend in Westlaco. Also this evening... 
I will be ministering at our church here in Garland, Texas, North Cities United Pentecostal Church, 502 Beltline Road in Garland. And I'll be teaching on walking by faith. Going throughout the end times, if you're going to do anything for God, you're going to take steps of faith. And we'll be talking about that tonight uh, in the service. So tonight starts at 730, 502 Beltline Road, Garland, Texas, North Cities United Pentecostal Church. Looking forward to seeing many of you there. Now, the great falling away. Hebrews 13.9, the Bible says, Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been accompanied therein. Second Peter, so there's a lot about this in the Bible, right? Warnings about false doctrines and things that would pull people away from the truth, a great falling away, a defection from the truth. 2 Peter 2, verses 1 through 2. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their uh, pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they, be or of, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. 2 John 10. If there came any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed. Revelation 2, 14 and 15. But I have a few things against thee. Because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Revelation 2.24, But I say unto you, that and unto the rest of Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. You know, and it also predicts that in the latter days, some would fall away. There would be seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Matthew twenty four eleven, And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Matthew 24, 24, For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there comes a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. And then 1 Timothy 4, 1, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And so you can see that there's a great falling away. The Apostle Paul prophesied it. Grievous wolves will come in among you to steal this truth away after I go off the scene. A great falling away. And you can see history 
how that happened. This, this um, apostasia, this defection from the truth. And we went off into the dark ages. I mean, even in the first century church, then problems that already began to develop. I mean, in Revelation 2 and 3, letters to seven churches in Asia Minor reveal serious errors of doctrine and practice in various local assemblies in the first century even. In the second century, this uh, process of doctrinal corruption accelerated even. And in short, we find a great influx of false doctrines over the centuries, a falling away. And that is not to say that these doctrines polluted everyone, but there were widespread heresies and doctrines, the doctrinal difficulties certainly existed in the first few centuries. However, very key, we know the great falling away has already occurred. And we are now experiencing the age of enlightenment. And the Bible prophesies revival for the end time, not a mass falling away. Yes, there will be some that will be deceived and that move away from this. There always have been. But not the great falling away prophesied in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Because the Bible prophesies again a great time of revival. When you think of the age of enlightenment, well... In 1517, the Reformation started the journey back. Uh, 1901, there was the Pentecostal movements and things began in Topeka, Kansas. 1906, the um, Azusa Street Revival, Los Angeles. Uh, the, uh, then you had in, in 1906, the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World. 1910, the Durham uh, proclaims the finished work doctrine. 1913, the Arroyo Seco camp meeting, and then many other things that brought us were back, the, coming into the full truth. Men were studying the Word of God, and they were saying, well, hey, th- look at this revelation I got. Look at this revelation I got. And we continued moving on, and it's called the Age of Enlightenment. We're coming out of the Dark Ages back into the light. So rather than a great falling away in the end time, Scripture prophesies a great end-time revival. Uh, Zechariah 12, 7, the Lord will save the tents of Judah first, those out in the West Bank. Revelation 11, 25 and 26, all of Israel will be saved when the Lord plants His feet on the Mount of Olives. Revelation 7, a remnant of Jews, the 144,000, and a multitude no man could number that came out of great tribulation. Great revival prophesied for the future. Not a great falling away. Revelation 11, 3 through 12. The two witnesses. Great revivals. Revelation 14, 6 through 7. The angel that preaches the everlasting gospel around the world. Revelation 18, 4. Concerning the um, false religious system in the end time. God's going to make a plea. Come out of her, my people, that you be not a partaker of her sins and of her plagues. So it's very important that we understand that there is great times of revival. We're in the age of enlightenment and we're coming out of the dark ages. We're not going into them in the future. We're coming out of that. So the great falling away, that's already occurred. Now, next question. And it kind of goes right along with this because it's in the same chapter. Is the restrainer 
mentioned in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 through 8, is that the church or is that the Holy Spirit? So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 8 states this. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Some translations say the mystery of iniquity is already at work. And only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Some translations say he who, who, he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then the lawlessness, the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So many people believe that the he which restrains, the restrainer is the church and that the restraining influence of the church deriving its power from the Holy Spirit must be removed at the rapture before the Antichrist can come to power. But is that really what Scripture is saying here? Look, you got to look very closely. Let's back up to verses 1 and 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 to get the context of what the Apostle Paul is really saying. The Apostle Paul taught adamantly in verses 1 through 3 that our gathering together unto him could not happen until the man of sin, the Antichrist, is revealed. When he then... Uh, so the, that's the question. Would he then turn right around four verses later and say, Oh, but the Antichrist can't be revealed until the church is gone. He says in verses 1 through 3 that I beseech you by the coming of our Lord and our gathering together unto him, the rapture, that you understand that day shall not come until the, there comes the falling away first, which I've already explained, and the man of sin be revealed. So the rapture cannot happen, according to Paul in verse 3, until the Antichrist is revealed. Look at it real close there. And then he's not going to turn right around and say, oh, but the Antichrist can't be revealed until the church is gone. It's an exact contradictory statement. Okay? That's why you got to look at the entire... All the verses and put them into context. See what the Apostle Paul is saying. So then the question arises. If it is not the church that restrains, or the Holy Spirit that restrains, which a lot of people teach, there is something restraining the revelation or the unveiling of the Antichrist, right? Because that's what the Bible says. So the question is, what is it? What's the, what is the restrainer? And, well, so... Then you got to go to verse 6 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. That tells us what the restrainer is. It says, And now ye know what withholdeth or restraineth. Okay, you got to understand that he, the Antichrist, might be revealed in his time. So it is the time clock of God that restrains or that withholds. The Antichrist cannot come until it's time for him to come. There's a certain time when the Antichrist is revealed. And to better understand, we need to look at um, Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4. It states that 
But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law. Now, Jesus couldn't come until the fullness of time came. This is very critical. Until it was time for Him to come. Why didn't Jesus come in uh, the book of Genesis? All the way back at the beginning. It wasn't time yet. God had this all planned out. So even as the coming of Jesus Christ had to wait until the fullness of time came, likewise, the Antichrist cannot come until the fullness of time comes. So it's the time clock of God. Verse 6, Now ye know what withholdeth or restraineth that the Antichrist might be revealed in his time. And one more thing, it states there that that he that now restraineth will restrain. But you know, it can't be the church because the church is never referred to as a he in Scripture. Think about it. The church is referred to as the bride, right? A bride is not a he. The church is referred to as the bride and therefore this cannot be referring to the church as we've already demonstrated. And then another quick point to consider if the Holy Spirit is removed from the earth prior to the revealing of the Antichrist, how will the two witnesses fulfill their ministry? It would be impossible, right? They derive their power from the Holy Spirit. And if the rapture occurs prior to the Antichrist, do the two witnesses sent by God Himself, does that mean that they missed the rapture? You've got to think about these things when you're trying to answer these questions, everybody. And so hopefully, because 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is a very critical... When you're trying to work out the timing of all of this, even the the rapture and the second coming being one simultaneous event, one day, the Bible says... um, our gathering together unto Him by the coming of the Lord and our gathering together unto Him. And then twice there it says, that day. So it's saying, the coming of our Lord, our gathering together unto Him, happens in one day. It doesn't happen, the the rapture happened, and then a seven-year period, and then the second coming. It's one simultaneous event. Revelation chapter 19 lets us know specifically that The rapture occurs. The bride hath made herself ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky. So the rapture occurs, the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place, and we go straight to fight on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. It's one day. It's one simultaneous event. We're gathered together to a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. And so, very, very important that you understand the timing of all of this. And I've got many more questions for you in the next segment. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. 
It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Now, so many great questions, and it's coming from educated people. These are not questions um, about, you know, when were the dinosaurs here on the earth, things like that. And those may be important questions, I understand. But when you get some of these very detailed questions that people have been asking us, it just shows that everybody's educating themselves, they're preparing their mind, what's coming in the near future, I want to know what's going on, I want to help my friends, family, my sphere of influence with these different events and to be able to prepare for what's coming in the near future and for eternity. So thank you for educating yourself and asking wonderful questions because we can all, I learn from them as I put them together and then uh, we can all glean from the answers that come straight from the Word of God. So another question that I received is, I was watching Irvin Baxter's Revelation Commentary Lessons, the Revelation Commentary Series that we just put out, which is it would be a great Christmas gift, by the way. And he said, I noticed a couple of the letters to the seven churches in Revelation chapter uh, 2 and 3 that they appear that Jesus is referring to the end time, Great Tribulation, that all the world would face. And he says, I know Irvin said that it was for those churches at that time. And a lot of it seems to be that way. But those passages make me wonder what great tribulation are they talking about? Especially Revelation 3.10. What is is it referring to if it wasn't the end time great tribulation? Could you guys clarify this for me? So, number one, Revelation 3.10 is cited by some as a proof of a pre-tribulation rapture. Because you, you uh, the question was given about a, the great tribulation in the end time. So Revelation 3.10, yes, it is cited by some people as proof of a pre-tribulation rapture. And the passage says this, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the whole world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. So, some contend 
that as God protected the church of Philadelphia from temptations that would come upon the whole world, so shall he protect us from the great tribulation. Well, this passage was simply a message to the Philadelphian church that John had oversight of after he was released from the exile on the Isle of Patmos. A similar message, think about this, was given one chapter back to the church of Smyrna in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. The Bible says, The devil shall cast some of you into prison, that he may be tried, that you may be tried, and that ye shall have tribulation ten days. So if, it, if we're talking about the same time period here, the, um, John is on the exiled on the Isle of Patmos writing to these churches, these seven churches. Does that mean that John was saying the Great Tribulation would only last ten days? Like he told the church of Smyrna in Revelation 2? Well, of course not. Because there are many verses, uh, chapters in the Bible that um, tell us the Great Tribulation lasts three and one half years, not ten days. So again, this is simply a message to one of the seven churches of Asia Minor, which John would be overseer, history records, John would be the overseer after his release from exile. Now, what specific, you ask another question here, what specific persecution was John referring to? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure at that point. Because according to uh, Christian, the Christian Heritage Foundation, from 90 to 96 AD, the persecution under the emperor Domitian centered in Rome and Asia Minor. And Christians were persecuted for having uh, refused to offer incense to the, the genius of the emperor. Uh, Christians suffered along with rebellious Jews who refused to pay a, a poll tax levied for the support of the Capitolinus Jupiter. And under the reign of Emperor Domitian, Christians are persecuted because of their association with the Jews as well. So during this persecution, the Apostle John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. That would have been about in 95 AD where the book of Revelation was penned in 95, 96 there. So what specific um, persecution that he's talking about, it was happening in to uh, Christians and Jews and people um, during in, in the known world or in different regions. I don't know this specific one that um, John was referring to there. Finally, in Revelation 1.19, this is very important. John is told to write three things. In the book of Revelation, John, write the things which you have seen, the things which are presently on the earth, and then the things which shall be hereafter. So in Revelation chapters 1 through 3, it contains the things, a vision that John has seen. And then chapters 2 and 3 are the things which are seven churches on the earth 2,000 years ago. And then chapter 4, verse 1, that simply moves us into the prophetic portion of the book of Revelation. Or in uh, Revelation 1.19, John write the things which will be hereafter. In chapter 4, verse 1, it says, John, come up hither and I will show you things that will be hereafter. 
And so the book of Revelation is segmented. If you try to take something from of the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3 and say, well, hey, this is pertaining to the end time great tribulation, can't do that because that's not the prophetic portion of the book of Revelation. That's chapter 4, verse 1 to chapter 22. And so once you understand how the book of Revelation is segmented and the skeletal structure, then it becomes a whole lot easier when you're trying to figure out some of these different components. And that's why the Revelation commentary that Irvin Baxter um, put together, and he finished just prior to passing away, uh, just over a year ago on November 3rd of 2020, that's a great Christmas gift. It's something that you can get, and it'll walk you through all of that. You understand all of the many, the, the four accounts of the second coming of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation, Many things there are, it's just a treasure field of things, of prophecy and different things to open up your understanding uh, on the beast and what, what do all these symbolism and everything that's going on here. Once you understand all that, wow, I know of preachers that won't even preach out of the book of Revelation from chapter 4 to, verse, to chapter 22 because they simply don't understand. And that's probably why we do uh, so many prophecy conferences around the, the United States and... Um, that our radio and television and thing, uh, programs have become so popular, and, which is okay. Uh, and that's why God really sent us into this ministry to help people understand and to help people make it to heaven. That's the goal of all of this, right? So another question that I've had is the writer writes, I would like to know how Dave Robbins came up with the idea that the Antichrist will be a politician from Europe. And I know that a lot of people don't teach that. I've, I've got that. And, but I've, I've got to just stick with Scripture. Because without Scripture, we're stuck, right? I can't go by the commentaries. I can't, I, I've got to go by Scripture. And so um, let me align Scripture up with history for you to let you understand why we believe the Antichrist will be a politician from Europe. So, the Holy Roman Empire prophesied about in, uh, man, many, many, many places, uh, Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7, and other places, the Holy Roman Empire was reborn on November 3rd, 2009. It originally existed from 800 AD when Pope Leo III crowned Charlemagne the first emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. It lasted until 1806 when Napoleon defeated King Francis II, and then it was defeated. But it was reborn November 3rd, 2009, in a monastery when the Lisbon Treaty was signed. So, two leaders, a political leader and a religious leader, have ruled the Holy Roman Empire from the beginning. Two leaders will rule this revived Holy Roman Empire during the end time as well. They will be the leaders over this world governing entity and the world religious system. These leaders will be the Antichrist, a political leader, and the false prophet, the religious leader. It's the way the Holy Roman Empire has always functioned. The leader, uh, the two leaders were the most powerful political leader from Europe and the most powerful religious leader, which always came from Rome, which was the Pope. So the Antichrist is the, just a little background here, 
The Antichrist is the coming one world governing dictator. He is alive right now waiting to be revealed. He's referred to by many names in scripture. Um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3 through 4 refers to him as the man of sin, the son of perdition. And it says, let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Two names who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That event's called the great, uh, the abomination of desolation. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 refers to him as that wicked. It says, And when that wicked is, was revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy him with the brightness of his coming. It's Daniel 7, 8 calls him, the little horn. So there's many names. Well, Daniel said, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among the little, the, uh, up among another, the little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. Daniel 7, 21 and 22 continues and says, This little horn will make war against the saints until the Ancient of Days comes. Well, we know the little horn is referring to the Antichrist because we know from other passages that the Antichrist will do exactly what Daniel 7, 21-22 says the little horn will do. Now, he is referred to as the beast in Revelation 13, 4-5. It says, and they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast. They worship the beast saying, who is like unto the beast? Who was able to make war with him? And there was given him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given to him to continue 42 months. The duration of the great tribulation, three and a half years. And other prophecies tell us a beast in Bible prophecy always represents a kingdom or a nation along with the ruler of that kingdom or nation. So sometimes the word beast refers to the world government. You got to look at the context of the scripture, the world government of the end time, and then other times it refers to the ruler of the world government of the end time. But the name most associated with this end time world government dictator, this politician, is the Antichrist. And in our present day, this coming ruler is going to be called by the name the Antichrist. Now, he will have a name. He's going to be a politician. But we, the ones that know, the ones that are studying, the ones that understand Bible prophecy, I will be going on our radio and television programs and in our magazine, End Time Magazine, and calling him, folks, this is the Antichrist. Well, I'm going to show you in just a minute how I know he comes from Europe. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. In, in 1 John chapter 2, 18, it says, Little children, it, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist, singular, shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, plural, whereby we know that it is the last time. So there are some who claim the word Antichrist is not in the Bible. But as we see... Here, it's simply not the case, right? John understood that there was an individual ruler, the Antichrist, that would come and be, he, and be over the end-time world government. We know that now from other prophecies. John also said that there are many Antichrists, plural. So he said this because there are many people in that time who had the spirit of the Antichrist who were claiming to be Christ. And the end time Antichrist is going to do just that. John said that there are many Antichrists in the world, but there will be a singular ruler, an Antichrist, who will rule during the end time. Now, Antichrist simply means against Christ. To be anti is to be against. It also means in the place of Christ. From where will the Antichrist come? Well, and that's the question at hand. This man who is uh, against Christ and who wants to replace Christ. Well, you know, is he going to be... Some teach he's from an Islamic country, somewhere in the Middle East. Some, which we believe he's from Europe. Some even teach that he's from America. But, again, we're going to stick with the Bible. The Bible tells us in Daniel 7, 8, I considered the horns, referring to the ten horns, the ten kings that will support the Antichrist. Daniel 7, 8 says, I considered the horns and behold, there came up among them a little horn. So the ten horns representing ten European nations, a little horn come up among them before whom there were three of the first plucked up by the roots and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. So this tells us the Antichrist will come out of the ten-horned kingdom, the ten-king alliance. Now, we know these horns represent kings. The Antichrist will come out of these kings and, um, and he will uproot three of these kings. Which ten kings? Well, they are the same ten kings symbolized by the ten toes of the image in Daniel chapter 2. It's the exact same thing. The, the ten toes were the last part of the image in Daniel 2. Daniel, so the image in Daniel 2. Um, it simply says that um, there was a, a head of gold, um, arms and breasts of silver, belly and thighs of brass, and then um, 
legs of iron, feet of iron mingled with clay. And so it is a, those were different empires that would rule the world during their known era. So in Daniel 2.44, it gets down to the bottom and it says, And in the days of these kings, this is what we're talking about, the kings are the same things as the ten horns in Daniel 7. In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. But it shall break in pieces and consume all the kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. It's going to be, a, it's going to be um, God's kingdom. You know, when Jesus comes, he's going to, to um, smite this image, this world-governing image on the feet. And the whole system of world and human government is going to come down. Um, in Revelation chapter 11, at the seventh trumpet, the Bible says, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. So, remember, the legs of this image were legs of iron. That represents the Roman Empire. We're talking about Europe here. This is the question, how do I know and why do we say that the Antichrist will come from Europe? Well, the legs of iron represented the world-governing empire of the Roman Empire. That ruled from about uh, 200 B.C. until about 300 A.D., almost 500 years. Then the last segment of the image represents the, uh, the image represented the um, five world governments that ruled from 600 B.C. until the second coming of Jesus Christ. So the image, uh, it was the head of gold. That was the Babylonian Empire. Then the Babylonian, Babylonian Empire was defeated by the Medes and the Persians. So they were world-governing empires. Babylon, under King Nebuchadnezzar, they ruled the entire known world at that time. The Medes and the Persians conquered that kingdom. They ruled the entire known world during their era. Then the Grecians, Alexander the Great, they ruled the entire known world. And then the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was here during the time of Jesus. That's why there were... Roman soldiers at Jesus' crucifixion. And Jesus was taken before a Roman judge, Pontius Pilate. So, we're going down this world-governing empire, this image that Nebuchadnezzar had seen, that Daniel interpreted, interpreted the dream. Then, we come to the final segment. The, this is a segment of iron mingled with clay. Iron was the Roman Empire... And the iron with clay symbolized the holy Roman Empire. Two different things. There was an element of the previous empire, but it's not the same thing. The Roman Empire was defeated in around 300 A.D. The holy Roman Empire came into power at around 800 A.D. Actually, it was um, Christmas Day, 800 A.D., when December 25th, when the, again, Pope Leo III crowned Charlemagne the first emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. So this Holy Roman Empire has always been from Europe. The ten toes that have iron mingled with clay, this means the ten-horned kingdom is going to come from Europe, from the Holy Roman Empire. The Antichrist will come from, come up from among those ten horns or ten toes. In Daniel 2, it's the ten toes. In Daniel 7, it's the ten horns. Same thing. And therefore, the Antichrist will 
out of the, he's going to arise out of the revived Holy Roman Empire. Not out of the United States, not out of the Middle East somewhere. He's going to come out of the revived Holy Roman Empire. The ruler of the Holy Roman Empire has always come from Europe. And the ruler of the revived Holy Roman Empire will be the most powerful politician from Europe. So, hope that answers your question. You know, how, why does Dave Robbins teach the Antichrist will come from Europe? There you go. Now, I, it, I could get into a much more detailed answer. I could go through the entire prophecy of Daniel 2. The entire prophecy of Daniel 7. Get off into the world governing prophecy in Revelation 13. And how that is a union of politics and religion in Revelation 17 and 18. The woman, the false religious system that sits on the back of the seven-headed, ten-horned beast. It's all the same thing, folks. It's told over and over and over in Scripture. It's the reborn Holy Roman Empire. It is a marriage of politics and religion. The most powerful political figure running Europe and the most powerful religious figure at his side. It's always been that way through the Holy Roman Empire. That's how it will be at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Okay? That's where the Antichrist will come from. And the false prophet. Now, the last question. See if I can get through this one before the end of the program. The, the writer says, I came across a video where Pastor Irvin Baxter stated the, um, years ago that the Bible never mentions seven years of Great Tribulation, but only three and a half years. Is this still true? I've seen many teachers on um, teaching something different. So I'm a bit confused. Also, I came across a video where Irvin Baxter mentioned America would not be part of the beast, uh, the mark of the beast system. Is that true? There are lots of teachings out there. I want to make sure I get um, the truth. Can you guys help me out? Yes. Number one, there's not one scripture in the Bible that describes the seven-year Great Tribulation. Every description of the Tribulation in the Bible teaches that it lasts for three and one-half years. Um, and you can write these down. Daniel 7.25 And they shall be given into his hand until a time times the dividing of time. Time is one year. Times is two years. The dividing of time, half a year. It's three and a half years. Um, it would be, let me see here. The Bible says uh, in 12.7 that And swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be, this would be uh, Revelation 12.7 and swear by him that liveth forever, uh, I'm sorry, Daniel 12, 7. Swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. Three and a half years. Revelation 11, 2 and 3. Um, but the court which is without the temple, leave it out, measure it not, for it's given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot 42 months. Three and a half years. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. They shall prophesy a thousand two hundred three score days. 1260 days. Three and a half years. Um, Re, uh, Revelation twelve six, And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared uh, of God that she should feed her, that, that they would feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. 1260 days, three and a half years. Again, uh, Revelation twelve fourteen, And to the woman were given two wings of great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nursed for time, times, and half a times from the face of the serpent. Three and a half years. Uh, Revelation 13, 5. And there was given unto him, the Antichrist, a mouth, 
speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given to him to continue 42 months. Again, three and a half years. So the misunderstanding about a seven-year tribulation comes from Daniel 9.27, which speaks of a covenant that will be confirmed by the Antichrist for seven years. And this verse teaches that the abomination of desolation will occur halfway through that seven-year period. Well, Jesus said that the abomination of desolation would mark the beginning of the Great Tribulation. That's Matthew 24, 15-21. So from this, we know that the Great Tribulation only lasts the final three and one-half years of that seven-year period. And then, of course, the U.S. not being part of the Mark of the Beast system, because the United States is not mentioned in the world-governing body in Revelation chapter 13. Um, the, the beasts that are carried over that symbolize nations. Uh, the Bible says it had the body of, the, of the, uh, the ten horns, which is the European Union, the body of the leopard, Germany, the mouth of the lion, Great Britain, the feet of the bear, Russia. All of those nations are mentioned in Revelation 13 as being part of the world governing body. In Daniel 7, there were eagle's wings mentioned. They're not mentioned in that world governing body in Revelation 13, which lets us know we will not be fully engaged in the world governing body in the end time. We're going to stand, jump back uh, one chapter to Revelation 12, 14. Israel's carried away on the wings of a great eagle where she's nourished in her place for time, times, half a time. During the end time, the United States will not be fully engaged with the world government. We're going to stand with Israel and protect her against the world government throughout the end time. In our opinion, the United States will not come under the full reign of the, of the world government, the Antichrist, and the mark of the beast will not become the law of the land in the United States of America. So there you have it, everybody. Many questions that we've been asked. Wonderful, great, educated questions. Thank you so much. If you'd like to have your questions answered on a future segment of End of the Age, Email myself, drobbins at endtime.com. Email Doug Norvell, dnorvell at endtime.com. And we will do our best to get your questions answered and um, educate you on the times that lie just ahead. God bless. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.